Welcome to Been There, Done That, a pandemic survival podcast. In this show, we'll be talking to some real-life experts on how to get through this time filled with unexpected changes, challenges, and maybe even feelings of hopelessness. And those experts are everyday people like you and me. Turns out we may be more prepared for this moment than we realize. So let's get started and see what we can relearn. All right. So I'm very excited. Uh, as the British say, I'm chuffed um, to introduce two uh, local folks here from Reno, Nevada, um, Olivia and Clark. So two people uh, are on instead of our usual one person. Um, and I say the more the merrier. So um, Clark and Olivia, if you wouldn't mind um, sharing with the listeners describing and letting us know where are you at right now geographically speaking are you what city what state um and are you inside or outside and what is that space that you are currently sitting and you know having a conversation with me um look like right now oh, we're sitting in our room yep on our bed <laughs> we're in nevada uh-huh. we're in reno in, reno. in, nevada. in north reno oh yeah north reno yeah um, yes, we're in our bedroom on our bed. Um, in our, our messy room. Yeah, our room is very messy. Do you, do you have roommates? Yeah, yes. two. Yeah. And a lot of animals. How many? Oh, okay. So, so both of our roommates work in the Humane Society, so there's a lot of foster animals in and out. So there's... Um, there's two sugar gliders. Um, I, I don't know how many birds. A fair number of birds. Two hedgehogs. Um, a rabbit. Three dogs, a rabbit... Four cats right now because we're fostering. Oh, four cats because we are fostering a cat. Um, an axolotl. I feel like you're forgetting something. Me too. But Oh, Jaden, there's a snake. There's two snakes. There's two snakes. So that's at least ten. Um, there's lots of animals in this house. One of them is ours. One of the cats is ours. That is our animal. So out of that whole list of animals that were not all the same kind of animals, there was birds and snakes and cats and such, um, uh-huh. only one of them is yours yeah <laughs> okay so please do explain what are the rest of them doing there um so both of our both of our other roommates um who they're also a couple they work at the humane society um and so some of them like they're two of the dogs are like very old that basically our roommates taken in to be like this dog should not die at the shelter. Um, so we've got two very, very old dogs wandering around. Some of them are just like, ah, oh, this is a cool animal, like the axolotl. Yeah. Um, but a lot of them are like exotics that they got from, that came into the Humane Society that they were like, well, we can, we know how to take care of these. And a lot of people don't know how to take care of these. So our roommates are basically like, these are ours now. Specifically the sugar gliders. Yeah, specifically the sugar Because they're really hard to take care of. Um, yeah. Oh, and then Clinker is a, a cat who is being fostered because he was having some issues so now he's a nice home to be relaxing in so so it would seem that you you you're the two of you are a couple mm-hmm. and you live in a home with another couple mm-hmm. yeah and are any of the animals that you're fostering in in couple uh partnership as well none the of the birds no, yeah those aren't the birds yeah not and the, the fostering trying to kill the male because okay. There's he can't have her babies. I don't know. <laughs> so maybe was the, was the answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so here is uh, another question for you. This is going to be super interesting because if, 
if these are all your roommates uh, at this time, uh, I think we're all very curious, has this always been the case or is this recent? So the question for you is, um, can you briefly describe what both of your lives together and separately were like before the pandemic? What did you do for work? Are you in school? What were you doing for fun? What were you doing in your social life before the pandemic? And that could be a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago. I don't know when you all start tracking, this is when it started. And then what is your life like right now? And really highlight for us if there are any changes between when this wasn't our normal and when it was now our newish normal. So we both work, um, we both work for the Girl Scouts and then Clark's a substitute teacher and I'm a kindergarten assistant teacher. So for us, I feel like we, everything kind of like closed down earlier for us because the schools closed down for spring break, um, the Friday, the 13th. Mm -hmm. Um, So before all the businesses had to close, which I think was that Tuesday after that. So we've been, um, I feel like, kind of social distancing for longer than some other people that we know have been. Yes. Um, yeah, because a lot of people, it's been like this week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, okay. last week, because that's Monday. Yeah. I Okay. So normal before was um, Olivia was working like I worked 50 up. hours a week. Um, and so it was like, uh, we were out of the house a lot like she was out of the house a lot and I had more like alone time in the house (laughs) um because um I wasn't working quite as many hours um because I had honestly just started substituting um I went in for orientation on February 20th so I had not very many substituting jobs I was just getting into and substituting for what grade level um any so I uh well I hadn't substituted for any younger than I than fifth grade um, cause I was supposed to go in for kindergarten class and got put in with this fifth grade class. So I'd subbed for before. So I was like starting, like, I don't know. I was like, Oh, I've got a relationship going with these fifth graders. I can come into something them uh, more often. And now like I, I was just starting a new normal and it was like, Oh, JK, none of that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, something now. Um, but yeah, so I've been, I have, uh, how many Girl Scout troops? I have two on Monday, two on Tuesday, two on Wednesday, one on, um, Thursday. So I had, um, I have seven Girl Scout troops. Um, yeah, so going to those every. What do you week, um, What do you do for the Girl Scout troops? What's your role there? Oh, okay. So both of us work for the outreach program at Girl Scouts, um, which is um, the out- so most Girl Scout troops are run by volunteers, usually mm-hmm. like a mom of someone in the group. Sure. Um, but, but they have to pay registration fees. Like yeah, all and the pay for your uniform. For- yeah, so we work. Um, we're paid and so they don't have to pay the registration fees. So we go into places that like wouldn't people, the girls wouldn't be able to afford the registration fees and stuff. Um, so we, we have troops at like a lot of title, um, title and schools and um, like apartment um, buildings around Reno. Um, so that's our job. We like lead the troops. Uh, we plan the activities um, and then run the meetings um, and keep track of, Sorry, so, outside activities. <laughs> so this is to say that you are troop leaders, essentially, mm-hmm. for troops that don't have a parent 
who has the time, the capacity yes. to be yeah. the troop leader themselves. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and for folks listening, Title I means that oh, yeah. the school population has a majority of students there whose families are below the poverty line. Mm-hmm. And this snapshot of the population of your school having that percentage um, ab- ab- below the poverty line, that picture, so to speak, of the student population is taken every December. So in December, you find out for the following school year if your school is still a Title I school. And Title I then releases a series of federal funds to a school to get funding for additional support staff, uh, additional teachers, uh, predominantly in math and English. Um, You get also uh, lunch and meal programs uh, being funded by the school. And so Y'all are working in predominant areas in schools where they're Title I schools um, and are in need of yeah. this kind of, you know, after school um, program. And yeah. why shouldn't it be accessible to students who are interested in it? So mm-hmm, you, yeah. you, between the two of you, you run seven troops. Was that? Mark runs five. No, I run or seven and I run five. And we run how many together? Uh, two, two, three, three, yeah. three. So between the two of us. <laughs> now, were either one of you Girl Scouts? No, I was very. I was a Girl Scout for a while. Um, I don't remember how long. I went to one Girl Scout meeting and they were mean to me, and I never went back. So and then, so why, are, why are you a troop leader? Because then I can make sure that the girls aren't mean to the other girls, so then they can have a good experience. So I, I, I was working for the Girl Scouts first. So I started working at the Girl Scout camp in the summer mm-hmm. and they have the um, outreach girls come up for a weekend um, of camp and I got to know them then and I was like oh I can do this year round not just in the summer um, so I've been working for the Girl Scouts for almost two and a half years now um, and so I would come home and like tell Olivia about it and be like hey this is what I'm doing because I went to Girl Scout camp as a child and I really loved that the treat meeting mm-hmm. eh, camp amazing um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's how I got back into it and I was like telling Olivia about like oh this is great like these great things I was like that sounds fun I want to do that yeah so so then how did you get into um you know, being a teacher, whether that's a substitute or, or an assistant or an aide right now, mm-hmm. like what's the interest in, in wanting to do that? Cause I'm getting the sense from Girl Scouts. I didn't like it, but I want people to like it. I yeah. think people should access all parts of it. I can, I can do it. Um, mm-hmm. What's, what's up with the, with the teaching part? Um, you know, that's a good question. I, it's, <laughs> I like, teaching and I've always thought that I would like teaching um and then I started working for Girl Scouts and I was like oh okay like this is I like working with kids and I like teaching them things so I should try to go into like another job and so then I just found this job in a kindergarten and I was like that's cool I don't know if I like kindergartners but I really like kindergartners now (laughs) what is it about teaching whether it's through Girl Scouts or in the classroom that you, that you like? Because, I mean, isn't that yeah. just glorified babysitting? God. That's what people say. That's what people say. I know. Okay. It's so funny. Sometimes the troop meetings, depending on the meeting, can feel like glorified <laughs> really babysitting, true. depending on how well they're listening. Um, <laughs> but it's, um, I don't know, part of it, especially with the Girl Scouts, is just like building that um, connection with kids. Yeah. I 
So I've been trying to decide if I want to like be a classroom teacher or do more like alternative outdoor education kind of stuff. Um, Cause I love teaching, but there's, I really like Girl Scouts cause it's less like structured. Not that I don't like structure um, or think that teaching in a structured classroom is bad, but there's just something very nice to be able to be like, you have this space, even though it's only like an hour once a week, you can come and be like, yeah, like, we're learning things, but like we're having fun together and it's like establishing that relationship and like that mm -hmm. safe space to be um, where I don't have to be quite as harsh as a Girl Scout leader as I do have as a, um, a teacher in a classroom because like there's just, there's so many kids in the classroom. There's an order that has to be maintained. There's things that you have to like get done. But with the Girl Scout meetings, it's like, okay, here's what we're doing today. But they're like, oh, let's ask questions about this. And I'm like, cool, we're gonna learn about that. Like what? It's this fun free-for-all where they can, like, pursue the things that they're interested in and where um, I, we're teaching, like, important social skills and, like, conflict resolution um, and stuff like that, where it's, like, honestly, like, making the world a better place one girl at a time and also them bringing that into the rest of their lives, um, like, giving them knowledge and, like, just skills interacting with each other. I don't know. No, I, I, I love it. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. I yeah. fully get it. Oh. And... And for me, um, I went into teaching uh, looking exactly how I look now. Uh, shaved mm -hmm. head, tattoos, mm -hmm. gender queer, definitely, um, you know, on, on the spectrum of, of all kinds of marginalized communities and their intersections. And mm -hmm. I went and taught at a Title I school that looked absolutely nothing like the school that I went to. I went to a high school that was um, often referred to as Vanilla Park by the um, people of color uh, who went there or around town. Uh, there were not there were not that many ethnic um, and cultural minorities uh, mm -hmm. on my campus. I don't mm -hmm. think I had I had like one uh, teacher of color from kindergarten to high school, and then in college there was a sprinkle more uh, mm -hmm. in my Chicano studies classes and a few of my sociology classes. But predominantly, um, I have been taught uh, by white educators and yeah. amongst uh, white peers. And when I went into teaching, I wanted wanted to teach people who looked like me, but who didn't necessarily have my shared experience. So all mm -hmm. of a sudden I'm in a title one school that has maybe 10 or 15 white folks um, who attend there and they're Russian migrants who are there for title one. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I think um, what's interesting is I went into teaching because I wanted to be the teacher I didn't have. Yeah. And, um, and to be the teacher that I always wanted in all of my classrooms yeah. and didn't get. And I'm looking at the two of you and our listeners aren't looking at the two. No. <laughs> They're listening to the two of you. And so there's a missing element here in the conversation, mm -hmm. which is that you're in these classrooms and you're leading multiple various together and apart um, Girl Scout troops. Yeah. How do the two of you identify in terms of gender and does that ever come out in the oh all the time or in the girl scout <laughs> troops all the time yeah. <laughs> do you want to start i could start do you want to start all right okay you um, look like you're ready um girl scouts is an interesting place to be uh gender wise for me because um i do i identify as genderqueer and non-binary and in my personal life go by they them pronouns um, and obviously Girl Scouts is 
Girl Scouts. Um, yes. Um, it's in the name. Because, yeah, be, okay, so, yeah, so, oh, I will, I will, I'll get there. Um, since I, I started in at camp, um, Girl Scout camp, like, the, it's, it's open to, like, any girls, like, luckily, um, we have a very, okay, I don't want to, like, slander council, but there, there, there is a homophobic element in our um, council, unfortunately, but most of the people who work there are, like, amazing around um gender and sexuality things um uh like all the majority of the camp leadership um is some kind of queer um Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. working there like starting my girl scout like working experience at camp was very much like oh cool like these people get it and like are accepting um so i was able to be like although i am like being assumed to be a woman like going in and um leading troops and things like it felt more okay because like my coworkers like I don't know they know who I am and everyone is very supportive so I was like I oh I'm thinking of a quote was it by um Ivan Coyote I think or someone else that they wrote a book with um talking about how um they also like identify uh as non-binary but sometimes when they would go like talk at schools um they would not like say that unless prompted and like fall into the role of like woman basically just so like kids could see and be like oh a woman can look like that like a woman can be that um and I uh although I feel like it's important to be like a non-binary role model too I like I like being that for kids to be like wow my future can look like that or like people can be like that um I do have one non-binary scout which is really cool. Um, <laughs> that's the that's eight. the cutest thing ever. And they're eight. I know. And they're eight. Girl Scout. They're eight. That's fantastic. That's that's when you know yeah. that you are right where you're supposed yeah. to. Be. Yeah. And Sorry, that, that you so were weird. led to exactly where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Oh God. I love that, love that kid. Um, okay. Okay. And, and so, and, and so Olivia, what's it, what's it been like for you? Uh, so I, I've identified as a cis woman, um, but I, you know, have short hair and I gender nonconforming. And so all the time they're always asking me, are you a boy or a girl? And I'm like, well, I am a girl. And they're always like, are you sure? Or they're like, but <laughs> you don't, and they're, you don't have hair. Or they're like, don't worry, your hair will grow back. And I'm like, oh, will it? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was worried about that. Um, and so, like, sometimes the parents are weird about it. Mm-hmm. Like, the kids, they usually, sometimes they'll regurgitate things that I'm like, well, why do you think that? Like, why do you think that girls can't have short hair? Like, why do you think girls can't do this? And they're like, hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And... But some, the weirdness that I mostly get are from parents who yes. will, like... And, like, I've had parents make, like, homophobic jokes and then, like, expect me... Look at me, like, I'm going to laugh at it. I'm like, wait, what? why do you... Did you, like, look at me? Did you not realize, like, I'm not... I don't just have short hair just because it's, like, fashionable. Right, like, right, right. And yet it is. And yeah, yet it, it is fashionable. Right <laughs> now, people are dying to have a haircut of any yes. kind. So I think that... I know, uh, I'm really excited yes. to see everybody come out of quarantine with their shaved heads. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm really excited. I think, I think you're, you're on the cutting edge right now. I am, All right. I know, a trendsetter. Queer All people right. always are. Always, always. The queers always lead. So... <laughs> 
So we've gotten a pretty, a pretty healthy uh, sense of what life was like for the two of you before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Very busy, very involved, yeah. mm-hmm. very at the, at the epicenter of the future and of growth mm-hmm. and of really sort of, you know, changing uh, a narrative locally and being a part of a narrative of change nationally and, and, and perhaps even internationally. And then the pandemic happens. Mm-hmm what's life like now? Are you, are you, you're not going to school uh, to teach or to sub because the schools are closed Mm -hmm. and what's happening with the troops? What are you doing instead? Mm -hmm. Cause I would find it very difficult to be as active and involved as the two of you just said you were. And somehow right now to have to be very still Mm -hmm. seems like something that might be very challenging at the moment. So yes. how are things different and what are you doing instead of what you were doing? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, things are completely different going from working 50 hours a week to working zero hours a week is <laughs> crazy. And I, as a kindergarten, oh. Do you want to start? Do you want me to? I think I was already yeah, starting. Okay. Um, yeah, so, well, troops have been canceled through April um for now and we don't know if that's gonna continue Mm -hmm. which i'm assuming the way things are going it's going to be continuing um schools yeah schools are closed until the 16th which i also think is going to be longer um i'm a kindergarten teacher we can't do class over zoom we can't do remote things doesn't work um so that you can't say instead of come to the carpet come to the tablet Come to the tablet, everyone. I, I've been texting my coat teacher and I was like, well, at least if we like did it over Zoom, we could like mute all the fart noises. We could just mute them. <laughs> I think that that, you know, that was technology. It's good for that at least. <laughs> so those things are closed. What, what are you are doing? Closed. Yeah. Um, um, oh, wait, sorry. I just wanted to talk about the things being closed. Um, okay. Because I, I don't know. I feel like I got like, eased a little bit into um the isolation because we were coming up on spring break anyway right so i was like okay i'm not gonna be able to sub during spring break and our regular troops don't um always meet over breaks um Mm -hmm. so like that was going to be different anyway um but there was going to be other work um and so that was stopped but i was like okay wait i was semi-prepared just for not this long um uh, yeah, I know you weren't prepared because your spring break was a different time. Um, I don't know why I wanted to chime in here. I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I lost track of where my thoughts were going. What are we doing now? You can see that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so I was pestering our boss because mm-hmm. I was like, please, what can I do? Let me do anything. Hey, I'm here. Can I do Because at first I, um, she was like, oh, you can come in and do office work. Like troops are canceled, but you can come in and do office work. And then the office was closed and no one's allowed in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just thing after thing where I was like, oh, I have this little bit to still do. And then, nope, oh, this little, oh, no. Um, right, so right, right now I worked for like the actual Girl Scout job. I worked five hours last week. Um, and they were, there's uh, a couple troops that are sewing masks. Um, mm-hmm. And they were featured on the news. Um, but it was not conveyed that there were only a couple troops doing that. 
Um, so now we've been having lots of people like contact the Girl Scout office and be like, hey, I need masks. Hey, I want masks. Um, so now I have the job of directing people to who actually has the masks. Um, so there's a little bit. There's <laughs> the thing that I'm doing still with the Girl Scouts. So, so some of the troops, does that include your troops were making masks? No. no so our troops can't meet until um, that April or that May um, because of it. I, a lot of them it's like I think it's because we're being paid to go there and it's a liability with the Girl Scouts and also like personally I wouldn't feel comfortable going from troop to troop and potentially right. spreading things right. from troop to troop right. people who probably don't have health insurance anyway right. like that. Right. yeah so like if you're if you're a volunteer leader and you're like I want my kid to be sewing some masks and like I can organize with the rest of my like volunteer people um yeah. yeah it's just it's a different dynamic unfortunately since we are so employees. so even so even troops that had a challenging time to access becoming a troop mm -hmm. are also now challenged and having issues with it, it accessing what troops who could could do if yeah. they had yeah. different living conditions, housing conditions, financial conditions, and things like that. So even our ability to help as yeah. an organized group is limited by all the things that made things limited in the past anyways. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it sucks because it's those girls who really probably need to be having Girl Scout meetings right now. And like, it would be very good for them and for their parents to be having them have Girl Scout meetings, but they yeah. can't. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, I think I understand that the two of you are also involved in Food Not Bombs. What is that? Yes. So Food Not Bombs, uh, there's two chapters here in Reno. So there's Reno Food Not Bombs and we're Washoe Food Not Bombs. Um, Food Not Bombs is like not really an organization. It's a bunch of different mutual aid groups who um, – believe that food is a right and they go out and they serve hot meals to people who are um, homeless or otherwise in need of a hot meal. Um, and a lot of them are vegan or vegetarian based. We're not really. No. Those sandwiches hadn't eaten them. Oh, okay. um, we're not really. Um, but so it's pretty much started out as just a group of friends who would get together on, I think we did started Sundays, but now it's Saturdays and we would cook and we would bring it out to the park and we would share it with whoever needs it. And so lately we've been gathering supplies because it's been cold and windy and rainy. Um, so one of the big requests that we got was for tarps for people to put over their tents and over their stuff and over themselves um, to protect them from the rain and the snow. Um, so we've kind of, we had a benefit show concert where a bunch of people played and we raised a bunch of money. And so we've been buying supplies and we've been collecting donated supplies like door to door and stuff. Um, and just handing that out to whoever needs it. But the pandemic has kind of messed with us because we want to be able to continue to do what we're doing because people need supplies um but people also don't need us to transmit the virus to them when they are already unhoused and are don't have health insurance and stuff um so we're we've been having some 
like we've been trying to figure out how we can best minimize the risk of transmitting a virus um, and also still be able to do, provide the things that we provide. Mm-hmm. So everything that you have just explained is service, service, service for those who have the greatest need. Mm-hmm. And while this exact, and you were doing that before the pandemic. <sighs> so now the pandemic comes and who has needs just gets bigger. Yes. Want- the past few weeks have been crazy. Yes. And then wanting to be of service feels yeah. in terms of the urgency that much bigger. Yeah. So this must not be uh, an easy time for the two of you. Yeah. And, and you also are in an apartment. So what's happening with rent? Uh, um, so luckily, both, so our, our roommates are still in like their jobs are still going. But their hours were cut in half. In half? Mm-hmm. From 40 to 20. I thought it was reduced by 20%. No, it was reduced. Oh. Everybody has to work 20. Oh, yeah. I misunderstood that. Okay. Um, uh, so, yeah, well, up to this point, they have been uh, working the same amount of hours, but I guess now that's changed. Um, so, we have money for March. No, we're not. We're in March, April. Rent. Um, yeah. Don't know what's going to happen when May comes around because I'm not paying rent May. Yeah. Um, cause like I, luckily the school district is like providing for people like, like teachers and aides and stuff. But like as a sub, I'm like <laughs> not right. included in exactly. that. Like, I can't really do anything. Um, and well, today the governor announced that there will be a, a 90 day um, moratorium uh, of sorts yeah. throughout the entire state of Nevada on both mortgages and yeah. rent. Now, he made it very clear oh. that doesn't mean that you shouldn't pay rent. Mm-hmm. It means if you need uh, a pause sort of on that urgency, you mm-hmm. have the next 90 days to be prepared for that and get ready for that. And to, you know, obviously giving people guidance to check in with their landlords and to check in with their banks and lending institutions about how exactly this is going to work out. But as long as the state of Nevada is in a state of emergency, that that will be what continues to get, you know, uh, amended and and extended um, Mm -hmm. for quite some time. So that just happened today. So I hope that that can give you some relief and comfort um, (laughs) um, as things are coming. I want to switch gears for a second now and ask you either as, as a pair um, as two people together, or you can answer separately, um, which is this. Can you think about a time in your individual lives or your collective time together where feeling like you didn't know what was going to happen from one day to the next or what you were counting on happening in the near future was not able to happen anymore something that reminds you of this time that you already experienced Mm. in the past has Mm. something like this in your past already happened where fear anxiety great unknowns and maybe even feeling like it could be a life and death situation Mm-hmm. But it also could be as simple as, yeah, I once had a really bad cold for like two weeks mm-hmm. and it felt that way. Mm-hmm. So I'm not so much looking for the experience as much as I'm looking for the feeling. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when was that? And what was it about? And how did you get through that moment? And 
could you and have you found yourself using any of those ways of getting through that to be deployed now to get mm-hmm. through this moment here? Hmm. One of the, the first thing that comes to mind is the 2016 election. It kind of feels similarly. Um, just the like how just like, okay, this crazy thing just happened and I have to go to work the next day. Like I remember going to school the next day and being like, what? Like, I feel like a bunch of things changed, but I still have to like go on with my life. And so I feel like that's how it's going to feel after this is like this whole, well, I mean, as much of an after as there's going to be, um, cause I, this is going to go on for longer, but like this giant thing just happened and then, Oh, well, I'm going to go back to work and I'm going to go back to my life. And it's, it's super weird. Um, I, okay. I'm trying to think, I'm like, okay, the feeling. Um, and the first thing I thought it was like, wow, I just have so much anxiety all the time anyway. Um, so I'm like, part of it, when it first started, it was like, well, it's just, just, you know, anxiety. That is what it is. Um, uh, but recent, like, <laughs> this is probably due to the fact that I recently started my period too. Um, but I've been like crying the past few days and I'm like, I was just telling Olivia, I feel like I'm in high school with where my brain is with this crying right now, yeah. like talking about things and just like, it feels like the adolescent level of like emotion of like, I am going to be hysterically sobbing and I don't quite know why. Like I can give <laughs> some reasons, but they're not like yeah, the full reasons, yeah. but I'm, cannot stop this deluge um so I guess the intensity of emotion feels it that's what I thought of earlier today was like I was like it feels like I'm an adolescent I don't know what to where my emotions are coming from or where they're going but but you know what's 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 interesting about that is that you're you're speaking to it as if returning to something in adolescence is like a, a going backwards Instead of a, a progression, and we seem to do this thing. I have just a couple years on you, too. Um, no, I actually have a fair amount of years on you. But um, one of the things that's been striking is that, and and you know, see if you get me here because you also are around very young people. Um, I'm thinking about you, Olivia, with kindergartners. When we first, when we first have any idea that we're supposed to communicate in order to get something it starts very very early i cry because i need to communicate to you that i need to eat or i need to be changed or i'm uncomfortable and i need you to help me move on to my tummy because i'm on my back and i don't know how to do that um i'm a baby and then we get older and we get older and we get older and now we're maybe four and we get a surge of new feelings and emotions called will and, and like, I want to do this. And you tell me that I can't do this. And yes. we call that moment of a new feeling that is just all from the fingers to the toes and anger and disappointment and yeah. sadness and more. And we call that a tantrum. Mm-hmm. And we tell people, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. And, and then you get even older and older. And on and on, you have then another surge of big feelings and new life experiences that don't make sense, including the feelings and the events. Yeah. And that's usually in adolescence. And then once again, you have the, quote, tantrums or, you know, exaggerations of feelings. But they're only exaggerations to the rest of us who are just gotten really used to those feelings. And so now... We're dealing with a pandemic that PS in the generations that are here and living, even the oldest, really haven't gone through this before. And so this is an incredibly new 
series of events, new series of limitations. Mm -hmm. Don't do this, do that. You're going to hurt somebody. And all the things that I hear people saying are somewhat like simple phrases that parents or guiding adults would tell younger people to do. But we're having to tell each other. Mm -hmm. And there's something that happens in our culture in particular in the U.S., where the more mature you are is based on how many feelings you have and express. Mm-hmm. And so the less you express, the more mature you must be. Yeah. If you can talk about how you feel, but not show us how you feel, look at you, quite skilled. You should, <laughs> you should be a director of some kind somewhere. Um, and I find myself lately having to, what I call, let the dog out to pee. And really what it is, is letting my sadness and fear come out to just sort of be. Mm-hmm. And so I find myself crying randomly and I'll just be like, oh, be right back. I got to go let the dog out to pee <laughs> and just let it relief, release yeah. and relieve itself, right? Mm-hmm. In, in some way, shape or form. And so I'd hate for you all, especially in the positions that you hold in our community to really be teachers and facilitators in learning to feel that feelings are not mature. They're probably the most mature thing ever is to both have and talk about feelings. And I think more often than not, I know for myself, my therapist has to regularly show me a list of feelings because she'll say, how do you feel? And I won't have any words because no one really ever asked me growing up. I wasn't allowed to really share what they were because then it meant I had a need that had to be fulfilled or addressed. And so I'm wondering, Clark, in talking about how you have this surge of emotions and hormones that might be in coincidence with each other, not. Um, And I'm wondering, how are you feeling? What does it feel like right now to be Uh. you, Clark? Okay, I also have to say that my um, therapist has also given me a handy dandy list of emotions because she will ask, how are you feeling? And I'll like start going off and like she'll stop me and be like, you're not talking about how you're feeling. And I'm like, why? I've always had a hard time with this too. Like one of my exes also would say like, wow, when you're ever talking about events, you just say what happens. You never say what you feel about it. So so you're saying that it's hard to speak about your own personal feelings and how you're feeling right now when this is happening to everyone. And yet, are you not part of this as well? Aren't you part of the greater everyone? Yeah. And I, I'm feeling very sad because we are going to be moving out of Reno this like later in the summer. Cause um, I got into grad school. Yeah. Cause I'm going to grad school. Congratulations. Um, Where are you going? Thank you. Um, I'm going to, so there's, um, this program in conjunction with the University of Washington, um, it's called Islandwood, and it's like this big environmental education place. I don't know quite what to call it, um, but they have like 20 to 30 grad students um, a year. And so you do a year at Islandwood learning and teaching there, and then you do your second year um, and finish up your degree at uh, the University of Washington. So it's like a degree. It's 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 a masters of education um but the first year is going to be like very like environmental education focused so you're you're going to grad school to get your masters of education in washington state yeah 
that really started all of this off in the mm-hmm. pandemic sort of like history um, yes. for us in the U.S. in, in January yep. mm-hmm. and February. And you're moving there when? Um, well, the plan is, well, the plan is not solidified, um, but our lease is up July 1st. So sometime after that. And have you heard from the university about any changes or anticipated setbacks of any kind because of the pandemic? Um, I mean, they're, they're closed right now doing everything online. Um, but other like moving forward, they haven't been like, Oh, here's what might happen moving forward. Um, but they have been like, Oh, here's what's happening now. And we'll keep you updated. And the two of you have been planning to move together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so many changes and big getting ready for that. And then, uh. yeah, because I, I really, I'm really missing my scouts because I was like, okay, these are my last few months that I'm going to have with some of these kids who I've been working with for like two years. Um, and I hadn't told them all that I was moving yet because I was trying to like time it. So it's not like, okay, this whole semester is ripe with me leaving, but like enough time to process. And now I'm like, oh, when am I going to see them again before we leave? And that yeah. feels up in the air and very upsetting. Yeah, yeah, I that completely makes sense. And any any thoughts from you right now, Olivia? How are you feeling? <laughs> yeah, I'm also sad about that. And yeah, I just miss them. I on my co teacher sent me a video that one of our kindergartners' moms had sent her of him just singing fart 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 and I was like I what I wouldn't do right now to even just hear you sing fart 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 like I (laughs) it was very sad I Uh, had a I had a friend um from high school um who is uh also an, an elementary school teacher and I think she was missing her students and was also trying to think of what can I do what can I do yeah so this weekend she decorated her car. She dressed up like, like in a full head-to-toe gear looking like Clifford the dog. <laughs> and she messaged and communicated all, to all the parents in her class that she was going to do a drive-by and drive by their homes to oh. say hi to them, to say hi. And so families got out chalk and went out to their driveways and, and chalked messages to her and got Aww. signs ready. And she would, she would alert the parents, okay, coming around now, get ready. And she would, you know, half body stick out of the car and wave to them Aww. and blow them kisses. And they would wave back to her. And it was a moment That's of so sweet. being socially distant, being cautious, taking care of one another, and yet still going beyond the screen oh. and beyond the phone call yeah. and above beyond just to remind people that it's, it's still possible to be in community and not forget each other and not forget yeah. what, was, what was learned about what had happened in the past or to forget about these ideas of the future. And so, you know, I don't know if you know where your troops live um, or Especially, if... Yeah. So it's possible that there are things that you do 
to literally and figuratively still be in their lives creatively um, and, good idea. And, and do that uh, in some way, shape or form. When I, I find myself lately being inspired by what others are doing and like any educator will tell you for the two of you, FYI, you never recreate the wheel. The best thing that educators ever do is to copy one another, is to yeah. take, take lesson plans and ideas yeah. from one another and adapt them for who your students are and what your class environment is and your style in that moment. But you, there's not really a big need to reinvent the wheel in education. It's more so about listening to all the other wheels that are still turning around yeah. you. And so um, I hope that you're able to tap into some things that you've already been doing, you've already known, or start paying attention to what other educators and teachers are doing during this time to see if they can be adaptable um, and, and made for something that you can use. I have one final question for the two of you. Okay. And I would love for the two of you to answer it separately. Okay. I want you to imagine that it's 2025. It's five years into the future right now. You're five years older. The students that you're working with are five years older. Your family members are five years older. The animals, let's not forget all those animals <sighs> in your home right now, are five years older. Oh, man. <laughs> and you're at some kind of a social gathering. Oh, social gathering again. And how would you finish the following sentence? You know, I'm actually really grateful for the COVID-19 pandemic. Because at least now I or we have blank. Universal health care. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was very quick. That was very fast. And it was very simple. Universal health care. Thank That's you. what I want I out of like it. I felt like it was the family feud or something. Survey says. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody said that. That was the I number one the answer. <laughs> that was the number one answer. Okay, Clark, this is your, your, this is your time to steal. <laughs> Oh no, my brain doesn't work fast. Um, okay. Um, no, but like that, that would be. Yeah, but you have to take it away. Oh dear. Okay, 20, oh dear. I'm really grateful for that pandemic because at least now I or we have what? What do you think would in five years make us feel that this time was worth it. Whatever the sacrifices, you know, life sacrifices, isolation sacrifices, financial sacrifices, what, would, what could possibly make this all not be in vain? 